SaaS Insiders, welcome to this episode of our show. Today, I have a guest that you don't want to miss. Today, I have a serial tech entrepreneur, and we're speaking about 20 years in a field of SaaS, of tech products, and he currently is actually building a product that will disrupt the video communication industry. He is the CEO and the founder of Mitten. He is one and only Rick Reddits. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad to I'm glad to be here. For those who might not know you yet, if you could give like an, a couple sentences of introduction of who Rick Reddits is and what do you work on? Sure. Well, you know, back in the uh, 80s, I was one of those computer whiz kids before computers were everywhere like they are today. And um, so I just taught myself how to program in the fifth grade on a TRS-80 Model 1 Level 2 16K microcomputer, as they were called back then. And um, fast forward a few years, I started my own software company in high school. I, I created a small business software even then. Like, like I, I did an accounting package, I did an inventory control, a bowling league manager. And it, what high school kid does accounts payable <laughs> programs? You know, it just it boggles my mind looking back at it. But that, that got me, um, oh, my, my biggest product then was a $10,000 per installation machine shop cost estimating system. Now that was a lot of money back then. 1980 um, or 80s. So, so I got my start with, in small business software in high school. And then in college, I ended up applying for some internships. I, I got job offers from Microsoft and Apple, Intel, Cray, Hewlett Packard, and, and IBM. And I picked Microsoft. And so I ended up working Microsoft, uh, three internships, and then 10 years full-time. And, and I kind of bounced around Microsoft. I, I kept wanting to do different things. So I was a developer, I was a development lead, I was a marketer, uh, product designer, worked, worked in Microsoft Research for a year or so. So um, I, I love getting lots of different experiences. And that really kind of set me up well for then becoming my own you know, serial entrepreneur. Because I, I had seen all these different aspects of the business done right at Microsoft. So in, in 2002, I got to work and launched in 2003 um, an audio and video hosting service for the web. Now, this is two years before YouTube was founded. Okay, so this is this is back in the days of dial-up modems. Okay, so 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 tiny little postage stamp videos, but hey, video on your website. So we, I made millions off of those products, and that funded additional invest uh, products I launched. I I got into the opt-in page hosting business. Um, you know, fill in the blanks, get your opt-in page. Uh, before that was a thing, um, I launched um, a webinar company before webinars were a thing in 2007, and. Um, and that was that was marrying a phone bridge with a web presence, like for slides and so on. So uh, you know, we'd do thirty thousand person conference calls, and it was that business that funded um, fifteen years of work I did in the nonprofit space. That's a whole other story. And now I'm back on the for profit side, launching a Zoom competitor called Meetin, and that's spelled M E E T, like meet, and then the letter N is in Nancy. So for kind of fun, you can think of it as a redneck Zoom. Okay, you go to the Meetin. <laughs> but uh, meeting.com and um and yeah so we um I, I chose that space because of the business dynamics of the meeting space it's inherently viral business customers will pay decent money for the service and now after covid everyone needs a video account even if we're not using it as much as we did at the peak of covid the world has changed before covid People were aware of video meetings, but it seemed like kind of an artificial luxury. Like, you know, you're weird if you do video meetings as a primary mechanism. 
And then after COVID, it's the norm. Everyone's doing it. Like, like a phone call is weird. You know, a, a video meeting is the way to conduct a meeting nowadays. So, uh, so I think we're, we're well positioned. And what we've discovered is that even though, you know, everyone's using Zoom, we're not finding that there's a lot of love for Zoom. People are happy to consider an alternative, and we're niching our product by being better at salesmanship. We have tools to help people sell, like, like pop up a little call to action pop up or pop up a web page right in Meeting. And that's a whole lot better than putting a link in chat where it just scrolls away. So very simple features give us a, a reason why Meeting is better for anyone who's doing sales. And that, that's our thing right now is, is salesmanship. And we're, we're penetrating the marketplace. So we're very happy with it. It's all going according to plan. Well, <laughs> it's never going according <laughs> to plan, but, but like the, the, big, yep. the big plan, right? Where we're going to hit these milestones and so on. We're hitting those milestones and we're very happy with the overall progress. Every little detail, good luck. You know, that, that's, that's just business. But yeah, that, oh, yeah. That's, my, that's my brief history. And I want to really talk about Meeting and exactly why people need that, not Zoom, in just a couple minutes. I just wanted yeah. to point out first that when we're speaking about 30,000 web conference or video hosting or opt-in page, it might not sound like too exciting like in today's realities, like with all the uh -huh. softwares, all those tools. But back when Rick that, done that, Sass and Cyrus, it's, it's been revolutionary revolutionary basically because it was yeah. before youtube before those technologies that you know today existed so yeah. consider it as like being one of the first ones if not the first one to to pilot those technologies like mm -hmm. the big money is usually not found by innovating a whole new category mm -hmm. um, because you have to explain to people why they should care <laughs> it's a whole lot easier making your product 10 percent better than something else and people know why they care. And, oh, yours is better. I'll move over to that. But, um, and yet, because the internet was so, it was so early, really. I mean, it was so um, wild west that there was room for this kind of innovation. I mean, uh, like, like Adobe Flash, it was the technology in the browser that made audio and video possible. But no one had turned that possibility into a SaaS product. To my knowledge, no one. <laughs> no one. I was the guy who did that. And, and like I said, I made millions. Now, if I had focused on that business and treated it more like a venture firm and really developed it, maybe that'd be worth billions, okay? Like a SoundCloud or a, a YouTube. But that, that's not me. Okay? At least it wasn't back then. Back then, I did something cool. It's profitable. What more do I need? And then my personal interest was on something else that was new. I love creating the next new thing. And I'm not recommending that. <laughs> It's a hard way to make money, but that, that that's just me. Now, I think I've kind of learned that lesson, though, because now that I'm uh, 54 years old, I, I don't care anymore. Kind of reaching that point. I'm, I'm not there yet, but I can see the get off my lawn kind of phase of my life coming soon. Okay. And so when it comes to business, you know, I don't care what's going to make money. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm past all the need to be creative and inventive and all that kind of stuff. So, so what I do, what I'm doing now with, with Meetin, I'm not going to do another separate product. Okay. I'm just going to make Meetin better and better and better. We're going to take all the, uh, all the positive cash flow, put it right back into development and QA and support and UX design. And we just keep on improving this product. You know, as long as it stays profitable and constantly improving, we're, we're going to make, we're going to get market share. I like to, to how you describe this transition from 
like more a younger passionate rig that jumps from one idea to another uh -huh. to more like <laughs> rig that, that that likes to focus right so if yeah. you were to go to go back in time let's say and, and meet for five seconds like to meet rick from back then yeah. like what what kind of the biggest advice you could give him to to make him even more successful like to to basically get well him, get him but, but but here's the thing okay i'm just responding to your question here but your question set up a, a time travel kind of scenario yeah and the thing is so many good things have happened to me after that time. I wouldn't want to lose some of those things at all. Okay. Um, the easy examples are, you know, a wife and, and kids, but, but, but my nonprofit work, I would not change that for anything. Okay. So what would I tell? I, I, I would decline the opportunity to go back in time because I wouldn't want to screw up what had come to pass. Now, if you're talking just about making money, then I'd go back in time, slap my younger self in the face a few times and say, you got this diversification thing all wrong, okay? If you're investing in someone else's business, you want to be diversified because who knows what the heck they're doing with your money, okay? But if you're investing in your own business, you don't want to be diversified. You want to focus like a laser on growing that business, period. And so that would be the advice I would give my younger self, just for business. Nice, nice. The way you sound is like like a really happy man with the life that that you went through. Like basically, what you said is there, there were so many good memories, so many good experiences that you wouldn't just you no. Wouldn't I'm go incredibly back pissed off it. by that. I'm incredibly pissed off that I can't complain now. Like like so many good things have happened that I can't complain now. It, it, like it pisses me off. Like like okay. like I, I like all the all these mistakes I'd like to change, whatever in, in the past. I can't imagine changing them now, and that sucks. Psychologically, that's a, I hate that. Yeah, so um, I, I'm being, being a little funny, but but really, it, it, whenever something really good happens to you, the entire, um, everything that happened before, you have to accept and forgive and, and incorporate and move on. How, how did Derek change in the way he conducts business? Because probably the, the strategies, the, your role in the company that was like 20 years ago and now probably changed dramatically. Like, Well, 20 years ago, I wanted to own 100%. And I did. <laughs> so I had complete freedom. I didn't have anyone I had to answer to. I just did whatever I wanted to do. And that, like I said, I, I wouldn't go back and change it because of what else has happened. But if I wanted to make the most money, I, I, <laughs> I would totally give up on that philosophy. And I have. Uh, with Meetin, you know, I used my personal finances to get it going. Um, but then I took on um, an angel partner. And then a second one. And, uh, and, and then we, uh, we also have this strategic deal with this other company, kind of a VC firm that is accelerating things even, even faster with a kind of a, it's kind of a, um, a sweat equity deal with them. So I'm very happy now to sell pieces of my business in order to accelerate. Okay. So I finally learned the acceleration concept. It took me a while. Uh, you see, even with all this history of innovation and whatnot, I don't think of myself as some sort of weird genius. I've met people who are geniuses, okay, in, in my travels, and they're always so disconnected from reality. They live in their own little world, and um, I think they suffer for it. And, and I'm not that smart. What I am is persistent, and I know how to execute. I get stuff done, and I know how to delegate. I mean, I'm, I'm delegating everything. I was speaking at, a, at, a, at an event with like 400 people, 400 business owners. And David Allen, I think was, his name was David Allen, the guy who wrote uh, that book. Oh, it was like, like the getting, getting Things Done, I think it was the title of the mm. book. So a pr pretty famous author. And I, I spoke right after him. 
and and he bragged at how how good he is at delegating. He's like the world's best delegation delegator, and he challenges anyone to to show that they delegate better than him. Well, then I went up on stage mm-hmm. and I said, "Look, I haven't planned this, but David laid down a challenge. Someone could sh- show that they're a better delegator than David." I told the story of how my wife complained one night of my underwear being strewn around the bedroom, and and I picked. And this is eleven o'clock at night, and this is before the internet really had matured, and you know there wasn't like a Craigslist then. This is before Craigslist, and so I I picked up my phone at eleven o'clock at night and called my assistant at work where she wouldn't answer because it's just you know it's not working hours for her, and I left her a voicemail I said, "Hey Carol, please put an ad in the local paper for." A household assistant, work a couple hours a day, cleaning up things around the house. I didn't say what things, but cleaning up things around the house, maybe go, maybe doing some errands and maybe, maybe cooking a meal. And uh, please interview the candidates you like and send the top three, just the top three to my wife for her to pick. And I hung up the phone and I hopped in bed. And the look on my wife's face was hilarious because she didn't know whether to be really happy with me or really angry at me for still not picking up my underwear. And, and so the point of the story was, and I, this, is what I, this is the story I told to the audience of 400, is that, that I even delegated picking up my underwear. <laughs> in this way. And we've had a household assistant ever since. So I, I, the audience agreed that I won the, the delegation uh, competition against David Allen. So that was kind of fun. Now, when it comes to delegation, right, the goal is to get rid of the tasks or things that we don't want to do. They were not in our zone of genius, but I still think like you're not delegating, like brushing your teeth or something, right? Unless you might would be if there was a, a scenario for it, but I haven't done uh, what, that yet, but okay. Yeah. What are, what are the things that you enjoy doing that you wouldn't delegate them because you love to do them. It comes to business, it comes like well, to personal life. That would be my my political philosophy work, my 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 nonprofit work, okay, which has nothing to do with the business. But there is nothing I I I don't want to do anything. <laughs> I want to delegate everything. And, and and that's how I, I did my nonprofit work for 16 years is I didn't actually sell my businesses. I just cash flowed them and put other people in charge. And I just, and, and actually my income quadrupled during that time because other people ran the business better than I did. And, and so I focused on my nonprofit work. So the answer to your question is there isn't anything I, <laughs> I, I would want to do and not delegate. Now, the things that I tend to do better than other people are like the strategy, like, 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 like there's all these Legos to play with, all these different things. There's people and other companies and products and, and messaging and, and, and all that kind of stuff. There's all these little pieces to play with. And I'm really good at figuring out, oh, okay, if we do this, this, and this, It'll produce that result and it, it honors my cash flow and everything else going on. So I put everything in the context and figure out um, you know, the best path, the optimal path through the maze. It's not that I would want to do that. It's just that that's what I'm like really good at. And, there, and there's other people who are good at that too and, and better than me at it. I'm not saying that, but like I have one partner now in, in, in Meaton who is as good as me at that. Okay. And that's great because, you know, even as good as I am at it and as confident as I am with it, I can, I can improve. I mean, you know, like I have an idea and then the other guy will say, well, what about this? I'm like, oh yeah, obviously that's, that's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) You know, uh, why didn't I think of that? So that's one other thing I like about having partners, especially the right caliber partners is that, um, you know, the pressure is not on me. We're a team. And we can we can get more stuff done and get it done better than I could when I owned 100. percent To that point, I think like it's much better to own one one percent of Facebook than 100 percent of like a small tiny business, right? Yeah, like it, yeah, exactly. And, and, so much and I, when when you own 100, percent it's hard to accept that because the difference between owning 100 percent and 99 percent is monstrous. Well, at least if you have like an ethical core, if you feel like responsibility to your partners, then it matters. So I didn't want to sell anything because I wanted the freedom to do what I wanted to do. 
Um, mm. It was probably in part psychologically because I had been an employee at Microsoft and I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I mean, you know, I, I pitched some pretty cool ideas to Bill Gates and other other leaders in the company, and they always said no. And so then I went out on my own and I, I got to say yes. I never got a no again. I mean, the marketplace might say no, but but they tended to say yes. Anyway, it um, you know it's it's always a learning experience, and um, and so I view myself as more persistent than genius, especially when I set a big strategic goal for myself. You know, I just don't give up. That that that's that's the main thing that I I bring. It's kind of like that movie Apollo thirteen, hmm. where like everything's going wrong and as badly as it can go wrong without it actually blowing up. You know, it, it's going. It's like, like, okay, now we got to fix the carbon problem. And somehow they do it. And and it's that moment in the movie where they jettison, um, what was it, the capsule? They, they jettison the other ship, and, and, and then they're going to land in the in the other part of the ship. I forget which which module is what or whatever. But the point is that they, they let go of the thing that has saved their life. They send it off into space. And they had used, like an Indian eating a buffalo, they had used every little piece of that ship to survive. And they did it. And now they're on a new ship for their final approach. And it's, it's that moment in time that that's what running a business like 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 this competing against Zoom. That's what it feels like. It's like I mm. use every little asset I could every step of the way to get through this. And and now here we are and we're getting customers. We're growing. We're we're winning against Zoom at uh, with enterprise customers. I can't believe it. OK, I mean, it's a certain niche that we're in, but we're, we're, we're like like they're already using Zoom and they agree our product's better. And they're switching, and you know, at scale. So, like, I'm like, wow, okay, you know, we've accomplished something here. Nice, nice. I think one lesson as well that you brought with this movie episode is when you mentioned they gave up something that kept them alive till now, so that they go and fix something bigger. So it's almost like when you have this mentality of 100% ownership, it's exactly yes, what, yes. what got you to that point. It's definitely successful, yeah. but exactly the same that keeps you from going further because now you've yeah. exceeded, like you're the bottleneck basically. Yeah, and, and that's why that one moment, for, for me, it was emotional. I don't know if it was emotional for everybody else, but for me, letting go of the ship was was an emotional moment for me because you know, that was there, there was some bonding there. That was, that was, that was a thing. Now, now there are some other people I need to share this with, right? What if I don't agree with them? Like, what's happening, right? Other people I need to share what with? I'm, I'm well, well, basically, like, like, like the ship, the ship, right? When you introduce new okay. partners, it's basically like, yeah, now okay. I need to kind of share this opinion with them, right? Instead of yep, having the yeah, yeah, and and I, I named all my partners co-founders because even though I was there first, you know, with the spec and the initial development and whatnot, you know, it could not have launched without them. And I'm defining the launch as the founding, not something earlier. So they're all co-founders. Yeah, you're right. You, yeah, so you got you got to share it. You got to share the uh, the title. You got to share the experience. You got to share the rewards. You got to share everything. And 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 yet, there's more for you too. What you said is it's absolutely amazing that enterprise customers now switching. They're using Zoom and they're switching. If yep. you could explain to SaaS found to SaaS insiders in just a couple sentences why that is a big thing. Like, because not everyone's an enterprise. So for them, yeah. like switching small products is not a big deal. Well, if you have enterprise customers, your valuation is, is better because the multiples are bigger. It's one, the one reason. But also this, the sale is harder. And so it, it's, it's an achievement. <clears throat> we, we did something. Um, uh, uh, you know, to be fair, we're, we're, we're only in one little niche of enterprise. And it's only in that one niche where we really have the compelling. It's like, like this niche needs us because it's all about sales. And, and meeting offer stools are going to help you sell better. 
than Zoom does and other competitors do. So it, it's it's not like like all of enterprise that we can because we, we we can't take take on Zoom across all of enterprise. There's too many integrations on the Zoom side. There's too much legacy. Um, there's too much risk to a switch. I mean, there's all these reasons not to switch. But so I would say to any other SaaS CEO, uh, and and they already know this, the riches are in the niches. It's all about picking the right niche for what you've got going on, whatever that and. and and, you know, in context of the whole marketplace, all the competition and so on. And so I think we did a really good job of, of picking, you know, strategic niches for us. We're, we're focusing on, primarily we're focusing on small business owners and below. Okay, so small business owners, independent professionals, uh, MLMers, business opportunity seekers, all of them are doing video meetings. All of them live and die on sales. And we've got the sales story. So we can win that, that argument. We can win that, 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 that sale. And then that also opens up the affiliate channel, all the gurus, influencers, and, and coaches, consultants, experts. So, so that, that's a great way into that whole marketplace. And, and then, um, and then we, can, we can grow from there. So we're, we're going to be cash flow positive in a, in a few months, it looks like. And uh, then we'll probably do another round of funding uh, just to accelerate things further because, you know, um, because I've learned there's an advantage to burning cash. You want to be in the burn because if you're not in the burn, you're not you're not accelerating as much as you could. And so, you know, the valuation jumps up uh, because we've shown that we can execute and and win sales and, and big sales. And, you know, I'll be selling less of the company for more money with more money total coming in, allowing me to, to really uh, beef up all the things we're doing. And um, at some point with enough penetration and so on, it will be time to do a second parallel strategic follow-on product. But um, so I'm not against that idea, but it'll be when it's strategic to do it, not because out of a fear of losing my company, I try to diversify early. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. So all the difference in the world between those two different scenarios. Now, I know there is one thing that you want to make really different from competitors, including Zoom, and that's an affiliate offer. I know yep. that you are planning to push a pretty, a pretty good, I would say. I, I would say it's 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 almost too too good to be true. It sounds like an affiliate program. Could you elaborate a little bit, a little bit more on this? Like what is well, exactly? well, the reason it sounds too good to be true for you is because you got in early, and so you're getting a deal that almost no one else is going to get. <laughs> so, so um, but but since we're doing this here, I'll I'll announce that so that um, people, if they hear this early enough, they can get in on it too. The deal that that is talking about is. Um, as kind of a launch promotion, we're we're giving our initial affiliates fifty percent affiliate commission. Now that's recurring for as long as the referrals stay on as customers. And once in the program, you get that fifty percent commission even for sales you make far in the future. So you're locked in, you're grandfathered in at that fifty percent commission rate. Now why are we doing that? Well, we're doing that because we have you know ninety three percent profit margins, so we we can handle it financially. And, and that's money on the come. That, that's money after we've already made the sale. Thank you very much, affiliate. And so there's, there's no marketing cost to us. Uh, you know, it's, it's a negative cost per acquisition for the customer, uh, essentially, except for our, 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 our opportunity costs. Uh, so it's an easy program to do. It, it makes sense financially. And it's a way of penetrating our, our core target marketplace and so there's like all, all positives, no negatives. And there are companies like, um, I'll, I'll mention one, uh, partnerstack.com, that you know, their whole business is, is running SaaS affiliate programs. And so they have like 18 developers constantly improving you know, the affiliate center okay, for an affiliate. Well, 
I would have had one developer on it. Okay, plus it would have taken a fraction of my time to, to spec all those features and, and whatnot, and 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 solve all the payment processing issues and 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 payment delivery issues and so on. And and I don't want to deal with all that. So partnering with a company like PartnerStack allows me to, uh, and we haven't done it yet, but we're we're moving that direction. That allows me to accelerate and and not even worry about all of that kind of stuff. So I forget what your original question was, but we ended up there. <laughs> it was about the affiliate program. I, I promised uh, people listening could have access to this this cool 50% affiliate program if they get in early enough. So the, as of this recording, the website's not up there or the landing page is not up there. But by the, by the time you're hearing this, uh, there'll be a page at meetin.com slash meetin3000, okay? And that's because we're going to give the first 3,000 affiliates who sign up uh, access to the 50% affiliate commission. Now there is a cost. They, they're they're buying into our highest level product at just forty nine dollars a month or forty nine ninety five. But that's because we want to show, we want people who are committed. We're not just giving it away to three thousand people. It's three thousand people who sign up and they lose their commissions if they unsubscribe. That that locks in our our, our revenue. It, it it gets us uh, cash flow positive times three. It, it, so it establishes the company. It's a super simple promotion, and we're building a community around it. So you're going to be in the Telegram group with other affiliates. And we're all going to help each other succeed. And so it's it's a program that uh, it makes sense whether you're a big or small affiliate. And you know we we have our list. We already have relationships with all the big affiliates that 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 we we care to. And so you know those those big names are already part of the program. But but this is a way of launching out to the um, you know to our own house list, converting our house list into customers and affiliates at the same time, and then growing the business. So I I'd, I'd recommend this this model for any SaaS company starting out. Pick a number, give that many people affiliates a big honking affiliate commission if they commit to paying for your service essentially forever as long as they want their commissions. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it's a self-reinforcing uh, successful um, a model. And in um, that model was, uh, it was developed not by me alone, but by our, our core team, but by, by our leadership. And uh, everyone contributed uh, an idea or two to, to make that whole thing work. And, and it, it's, um, uh, I'm really optimistic about it. Now, um, if there was like only like one biggest thing about Meeting so good that it would force like all of the all of the small business owners and below to change, uh -huh. because I know yeah. some people some people feel like I've been going through Zoom for the past three years. Like, yeah. what what it possibly like okay. can give me to change? Well, let's say you're trying to sell something. All the time. Well, yeah, the, 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 the answer is sales. I mentioned it before, but the answer is sales. We're better at sales. That's the one thing. But how are we better at sales? Well, let's say you wanted to sell something. What do you do in Zoom? You paste the link that you're promoting into chat and it scrolls away. Okay. Well, that's no good. <laughs> First of all, it's probably an ugly link because you're probably trying to give some affiliate the right, right, the right commission. And so it, it's, it's probably some ugly affiliate link or whatever. Maybe you're the affiliate or, or who knows. And so it's the wrong way to do it. It's just wrong, but that's how you got to do it in Zoom. And so what Meetin offers you is uh, several things. We have a call, a call to action pop-up. You, you, you fill in the blanks, like a headline, subheadline, logo, um, you know, colors, a button caption and button target. And you create your own little pop-up. Really simple. You fill in the blanks. But that little pop-up is so much better than a link in chat. And then especially because you, it's, it's unavoidable Whereas in, in chat, you can miss it and you can take it away. And that sets up a fear of loss close on that pop-up. You say, now I'm going to remove this pop-up in about 10 seconds. 
So if you're at all curious about this offer, make sure you click on the button now. Click, 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 right? Okay, what a great little pitch. And that pitch is general. It can work for any product or service, any link at any time. Okay, that's the kind of thing that you can do with Meetin. You can't do with Zoom, but we also have the web page poppers. You can pop up your order page in Meetin. They don't have to go someplace else. Um, we have what's called the button bar. So, because sometimes you don't want links to be too dramatic, you just want them as an available resource. So, the button bar is a little little toolbar that you can pop up with your buttons, whatever you want them to do. And then we, um, right now, we have a report a problem button because we're we're fairly new and we want to make sure that we capture all of the problems from everybody. But we're going to let people change that to be a a top of the line, you know, right there in the top toolbar, there's a button that's your button. You can have it be whatever you want it to be evergreen. It's not in the way of the meeting. That's a great piece of real estate for a promotion. So that's your, your custom toolbar button. We're going to be adding that feature this week. When you exit a meeting, okay, on every other meeting platform, what do you get sold on when you exit a meeting? You get sold on that meeting platform. Of course you do. Well, and we do the same thing, but we let you override that. So you can have your own landing page be the exit page. I mean, because we're, we're Avis, we're, 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 we try harder, right? So we're going to give that, that very important real estate to you. And it's your last chance to close at sale. You, you tried everything you could do during the meeting. Maybe you did it, maybe you didn't, but then they, they leave and they get the right page, the right, the right headline. You know the context. You can write the right headline to fit the context. That's going to help you with the sale. So, so the, oh, the biggest one, one-click video sharing. With Zoom, if you want to play a video, you have to share your screen. Yep. And you got to make sure you check the box that says optimize for video and share system audio. Otherwise, it's all screwed up. And then you have to switch over to what? A Chrome tab and play a YouTube video or whatever. And what happens when you play a YouTube video before the video plays sometimes? An Ads. advertisement plays. Yeah. And it's usually related to your content, but not your content. So what ad are you playing? Your competitor's ad. That could be really embarrassing. And then you got to maximize it uh, so that you're sharing your full video, you know, sharing the full video for everyone. But then you can't do anything else. You can't catch up on chat. You can't check your sales. You can't, you know, you know have a little chat with your co-hosts. You're stuck there watching the video. And the video quality is questionable because it depends on your Wi-Fi connection and your internet connection and the horsepower of your machine. And maybe your machine's okay, but maybe one of your affiliates isn't. You know, they're just trying, they're struggling. They got an older machine. That's no good. And so with Meetin, you upload the video ahead of time and you click it. <laughs> That's it. And it starts playing into the into the meeting room. And the same thing for audios and also for slide decks. So um, or, or files you want to share. So very very simple with meeting. Now now here's a really cool feature no one else has. Okay, let's say and this is a, absolutely appropriate for any any SaaS company that has an affiliate program uh, or 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 just salespeople. So let's say you're going to do a big event. You got some big name person on board to, to co-host a webinar. So it's kind of a draw, right? And you want all of your affiliates to promote that one event. But then here's the thing. When you pop up the call to action pop-up, you want the link to be different for every affiliate, right? Oh. Okay. Well, uh, this isn't done yet. We're, we're doing it this month, but it's all spec'd out. What it's going to allow people to do is affiliates will be able to be invited to an event and they'll be able to create their own invite link to that event that customizes any pop-ups. Uh, well, it customizes any links promoted, in, including links in all the pop-ups I mentioned, the exit pop-up, and even links put in chat. All of those get customized with, with simple string substitution. That's all it is. So it's really simple. But 
no one else is thinking about this scenario because they're not focused on sales. We are. And so any SaaS CEO that, that runs an affiliate program, you want to use Meetin and you want all of your affiliates to use Meetin so that when they promote your thing, they know that their link is being promoted on the pop-up. Oh, we even have interactive replays. Okay, so the replays, when a pop-up happens in the replay, that's live. They can fill out the form. They can click on the button. So it's not just a, a static video or it, it's, a, it's a dynamic um, you know, sales mechanism. So, so the, the one answer to your question was sales. But you can see we've really thought through all the different sales scenarios. It really sounds to me like you allow them to control the whole sales cycle that's happening on the show, including the replay, even after the live event, they can still go to do this. Our, our job is to be performance. invisible. I mean, we don't always achieve that because, you know, nothing's perfect. But our job is to be the invisible facilitator to this meeting between people. If, and in particular, in the sales meeting, we're there to help you get the sale. But it's your content, your links, your affiliates your promotion, your branding, your colors, all that kind of stuff. And how much of that I, I could do myself as a non-tech, for example, person? Or do I need some developers to customize it for me? To, to, to oh, make no, no. Things? All of this is just fill in the blanks and, and, and you hit go. Uh, like, like if you can upload a video, then you can have the video ready for one click. The multi-affiliate you know, promotion call or event, that is a little bit more techy in terms of you have to understand how, how link substitution or string substitution works. And... And, but but we'll help you with that. And once you do it the first time, then, then you got it and you can do that again. Well, I don't know about you, Sass and Cyrus, but I'm sold on this. <laughs> okay. Uh, definitely sold on this. We need, we need more landing pages to describe all of those beautiful features because I personally know a lot of people that would, that would switch. Well, well, well uh, sales is where the money is for any company. And so that's why we focused on it uh, in part because the guys weren't doing it. And a lot of these features, we didn't have these features in mind when we launched the product, but we knew that we, if we kept our focus on sales, we would come up with these things. Uh, just a, a piece of advice for any, any SaaS company CEO is this kind of focus. Pick your niche and then just live in that niche. Really develop it because that's where the real value comes in. So I think I think you're speaking like, make sure we prioritize what users really need. Like what would we need in their place to, to yeah. have this, right? Well, when I was at Microsoft doing product design, we had kind of a rule. I mean, I, I, I was just told this rule. So I, I didn't come up with it. But, but I've used this rule in all of my business dealings or product designs. The rule was, we want some killer features for our customers to love, and we want some killer features for the press to love. And they're not always the same feature, okay? Because there are features, especially at Microsoft, Microsoft is so big and so strategic and all these cross-pollinations, that kind of stuff, like Office is so huge. Anything to support Office was important. We wanted some features that the press would just go nuts about, even if they weren't really going to be all that useful for the customers, because, you know, it's it's more of a tech demo. It's, it's like it's like going to the, the car show and you're seeing the concept car right? That's for the press. That's not for the customers, okay? So, so some of our features would be these concept car kind of features that just people could just envision the future and love it. And then, but we also had to have some killer features for the customers themselves. And so I think what you're seeing with the salesmanship is, well, we, they're kind of overlapped in this case because the customers need to make sales and it's also a sexy thing to talk about. And, and so, so it works. But, but, but my point is, even if it doesn't overlap, you still want sexy features just for the 
investors, just for the press, just for the affiliates to, to be inspired by. And then you want to also be the tool that actually makes sense for the customers. It, it actually is a better experience or whatever they need it to be. So it's almost like sell them what they want, give them what they need, basically. Uh, you're doing both. It's not an either or kind of thing. Yeah. You, need to, you yeah. need to do both. Because if, if you focus on just what they need, I've launched businesses where it was exactly what people needed and it sold nothing. <laughs> in fact, it was that same conference I spoke at with David Allen. I, there were 400 buying units in the room and I sold all 400. I mean, everyone bought my product because it was, I sold it so well. And then not one person, not one company who bought it actually ended up using it because it, it, it required a change in their like internal operations a little bit in terms of, of how they sell. And I hadn't built the, the kind of the onboarding infrastructure to handhold people and get them across that finish line. And by the time I realized that that, that was an absolute miss on my part, I was already on to the next product, which ended up being a $10, $20 million win for me. So I, I didn't mind losing that product. And that product was kind of a, a, a low effort strategic twist on a previous product anyway. So it wasn't like a big investment. So I didn't feel any loss. But, but yeah, no, I've had products where it, it had all the sex appeal you can imagine and everyone bought, everyone bought, and then no one used it. And, and I've, I've had other products where I had none of the, the sizzle, but boy, did people need it. And, and, and that was even worse because no one bought it and therefore no one used it. It's total failure. <laughs> so I've had my failures, but uh, hopefully I learned from them. So when it's something super sexy and people buy it and then don't use it, because it's quite, it happens quite often, not like the only you, right? Do, do you think it's, it's the problem spe specifically with like onboarding people after they bought? Well, well, in my case, it was onboarding. I mean, it could be anything else for anybody else. But, but I, I think onboarding is probably a, a pretty common place to fail because the business owner and those involved in leadership, they're so familiar with the product by the time it launches that they're literally, or not literally, figuratively blind. They don't have the empathy of, of a new customer coming on board. So they don't even know what the new customer is missing. So uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to be part of one of the first usability tests at Microsoft. I know because there was no usability department at Microsoft to guide us and we were just making shit up. Okay, like, like we had a camera on a tripod um, behind a, 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 like a big room divider which is scary as hell. I mean, like one of the rules of usability testing is you don't scare the heck out of the people like, oh, Big Brother is watching me. So like, like we were making all these mistakes, but we were the first ones to do it at Microsoft. Okay, uh, that was for Microsoft Quick Basic uh, version like two or three or something like that, uh, or professional maybe. I, I think, what were we talking about? We're talking about user onboarding, but now I think I'm not the only user one onboarding. excited yeah, yeah, about, yeah, so the, about the camera. Well, well, yeah, yeah. So, well, uh, that was an example of user onboarding. We don't have the empathy. We don't know what what customers are really thinking or not thinking or feeling or or getting or not getting. We don't know. So, you've got to do those usability tests better than I just described in Microsoft in nineteen. Uh, that would have been nineteen eighty nine, I think. So, we got to do better than that. But the point, but most people don't do it at all. And and all you got to do is, and cameras are so small these days, it doesn't have to be, you know, an in-your-face kind of thing. You can still have the cameras in the room. But sit the person down in front of a PC or Mac or whatever, ask them to go to the website and try signing up. Or having just signed up, ask them to, 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 to log in and create your first whatever. Give them simple tasks like that and watch how these people struggle with your design that you were so proud of. <laughs> okay, it's, it's, it's very humbling. But so, so I'm a big proponent of that kind of testing because you just don't know. You, you, you're too close to it. You're, you're blind to it. And it's a kind of blindness where you can't tell that you're blind. Like an actual blind person knows that they're blind. 
one reason they know they're blind is because so many other people in society aren't blind that they know something's up, okay? But mm. in this case, everyone in leadership is blind. And even the people you're selling, you're helping explain the whole context to them and why they should care. And, and so they have the right motivation that a, a, another customer who just got sold via the web copy, you know, they don't have all that motivation. They're, they're going to get stuck and, and bow out sooner than you think. It's a kind of blindness where you're, you're not, you're, you're meta blind. You don't even know that you're blind. And so that, that, that's the kind of, kind of problem that, that tends to get you. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there, there are a lot of tools right now that allow you streamline this process, almost like a heat maps on your website. Oh, where you can oh yeah, yeah. No, th there's all kinds of tools that will even do it live on your website. I, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but I, I've seen some of them. Watching, I, I like the more, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's advantages to the quantitative approach, but I also like the qualitative approach where I'm, I'm seeing, you know, Fred struggle, okay? Because then I'm feeling Fred. I, I, I get, you know, I, I just get it more. You probably need to, need to do both. Um, although I, I mainly have done the, the human part of it. Now, when it comes to like humans and always thinking about your customers, I know HubSpot has this trick where on meetings, when they make some decisions, they also have like a teddy bear that they call Tiffany, I guess. And that's, uh -huh. that's their customer, customer avatar. Exactly. So when they, when they struggle with a decision, they say like, but what would Tiffany say? And, and, that, and, the, and they start thinking about customers when they make some decisions on the <laughs> yeah. user experience. Yeah, yeah it, well, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little gimmick, but it's a gimmick designed to address exactly what I'm talking about, which is user empathy. Yeah, you know, I've, I've hired a lot of UX designers over the years and a lot of them are, you know, they're book educated. They've taken the Google class or whatever. They know all the Legos. They know all the tools to, to pick from. But I'll, I'll tell you the mistake they keep making. They design to pass their boss's test. They design to pass the committee's test. They, they don't design to solve the problem as completely as possible for the customer. It, it's, it's like they, they, they employed tool number 35B they move on to their next their next piece. And so like, I, I think the difference is really the difference between like Microsoft and Apple in terms of, of OS design and, and that kind of thing. Apple was always ahead of Microsoft, at least in my day, in terms of, of the overall experience. And it, it, it was more like art, you know, because they, they didn't always have all the same features, uh, but but what what they had it was it was elegant it was beautiful and yet functional and it 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 did what you needed it to do like, like even iOS versus Android Android I think has caught up quite a bit in the, in the last year or two but Apple the ecosystem of Apple and iOS is is just that much more polished uh, the layout of things the fonts the uh, the font sizes how it looks when you when you increase your font size too much and you you start pushing the boundaries of of, of readability. Apple handles that better than Android does. I mean, so, so there's all these little details and all these side cases where a Apple has clearly thought through all of this. And Android, because of the way it was developed, kind of more like a Microsoft fashion, I think, it, 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 you know, it's, it's more of a third party kind of like, like a lot of third parties are involved in, in the various UI decisions for the various apps and whatnot. That It ends up not, it's just not as good, at least in my opinion. So I, I think that's the big problem with UX design is that people don't set the bar high enough. And you know how they say good writing is rewriting? Mm -hmm. Have you heard that expression? Okay, okay. It, it, it's a legendary quote in, in, the, in, the, in the writing business. Okay? okay, good writing is rewriting. Well, that little pattern applies to almost everything in life. Good thinking is rethinking. Good design is redesign. Uh, so pick mm -hmm. any, any, any verb and, and constant improvement comes from destroy creative destruction destroying your past design to make room for a new better design i mean this is all this is capitalism you know it's 
capitalism doesn't produce amazing things because anyone knows the right answer ahead of time. No one in 2006 knew how to design the phone the right way. And yet now we got a, a phone design in 2007 with the iPhone that's remarkably stable. It's basically no keyboard, all screen, uh, maybe a button, maybe not. Uh, you know, we, we've had that design now for, um, what, 14 years? Mm-hmm. Um, is my math right? Uh, in the technology world, that's an amazing, you know, that's an amazing time frame to have a design not be improved upon. It wasn't actually Apple that designed the iPhone. Did you know that? Mm, no, no. It was our. It was well. In one sense, it was here in America. It was our founding fathers mm-hmm. because they put in place the incentives and locked in for property rights and so on. They locked in the incentive, the economic incentives for constant improvement. And it was constant improvement that constantly improved things until mm. not only was the technology ready for the iPhone, but also the need for that device was there and the wealth to afford to buy it. All of that had to be in place, meaning all kinds of things had to be constantly improved. Otherwise the iPhone could not have been economically invented. It wouldn't have made any sense. So I'm gonna give credit to our founding fathers and the philosophers who inspired them and the momentum of the time, okay? That's what invented the iPhone a couple hundred years later. So good design is redesigned and and I don't see enough redesigned. Hmm. In like, like, for example, I'll give you a really good, a really technical example. One of the things we have to do is help our customers paste their static room link into all the different calendar programs in the world, right? Yep. Because you, know, you book a meeting with me on my calendar program, you're going to get an email that says, hey, meet here, right? Well, how do you, where do you paste that link? It's different for every calendar scheduling app that's out there, right? And so I, I have my, my UX designer going out and, and screenshotting uh, all the final screens and documenting the steps it takes once you log in to go find that screen. And she's reporting back to me that it's just a mess. All of these apps, like, like she thought this project was, was like busy work, like it didn't really need her to do it. But no, it needs someone like her just to find the darn setting to get through all of the stuff. And this is her profession. You know, so it, it, it's just a little little case study just to show you how bad design is. Hmm. That, that's a very important part of setting up a scheduling app is, is I'm using this software. Where do I put in the link? And it's not easy to find. It's not obvious. There's too many settings competing for attention, too little organization, and not the right guide flow even in the beginning on, on the onboarding. Hmm. Now, when you say there is a problem, right? As you, as you explained, designers take those like Google courses, they come, they have all the yeah. Lego pieces, then they produce the design, then the leadership approves it, and it just the cycle of... Cycle well, the leadership not- doesn't know. They're just like, well, it doesn't look stupid. Pass. I mean, I mean, you know, it's it's especially if there's a committee. Oh my goodness! Because everyone has other goals. Well, I I, I once told my boss at Microsoft, this is going back a little ways. Yeah, he was telling me all the things to think about in mm. the design of this one thing, and I was like, uh, who was I? I think it was, I think it was Len Ortiz, or it may have been Tom Button. And I said, Tom, I'd love to learn all of that, but I have to have the spec done tomorrow, so I'm just going to ignore you. And I left the office. And he later told me that that was like, in his mind, that was the defining characteristic of a program manager, designer, who's going to get stuff done. You know, Now, it may not have been the best design, I admit, but like, like I was thinking of the, of the overall goals of the project and, and everything else that had to be done and the timeline, all that kind of stuff. And what I'm saying is, so, so I'm guilty of this myself back then, but now the way I can win against Zoom is by taking the time to be involved and actually freaking do it right so that every little piece of meeting is just a nicer experience than Zoom. We want to be the Apple uh, to Zoom. 
I'm mm-hmm. mixing my metaphors, but you know what I mean. Yes, yes. And and what it requires, what it requires, is to constantly get back to those things and think how we can it's improve them. Everything you const, do. constant improvement. It's mm-hmm. not about the first design at all. The first design gets you in the ballpark, but then it's it's talking to your customers, doing the usability tests, um, uh, seeing how it works, maximizing your empathy, doing little tricks like the um, HubSpot thing with the bear. I love that. Meeting's going to have a moose mascot, so maybe we'll have we'll have Marvin the moose sitting there. Yeah. So, it, but but good design is redesign is the main the main takeaway. Rick, I know I we can chat with you here for hours. Uh, <laughs> before we be wrapping up this conversation, what is the best way to get in touch with you to learn more about Meeting and and join join the forces? Since I mentioned the calendar, I'll just mention my calendar, uh, uh, rickscalendar.com. Uh, by the way, that's another little tip for you. Get your own name, blank.com. So you have a calendar, rickscalendar.com. It's so easy to remember. It's much better than calendly.com slash whatever string of numbers. There's no way to convey that in a setting. And I mean, uh, rickscalendar.com, you got a chance. It, it, it can um, be a, a calendar link, right? The calendar link, but it's just masked under your own domain just to make it simple. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah all, all it is is a GoDaddy domain that, that's that's redirected to my, uh, I think I'm using OnceHub, but but whatever. Yeah, it's, it's it's just a redirection, it, it, a forwarding. It's, it's very simple, technically. But but the point is, brand-wise, anyone who's listening now knows if they want to reach out to me, go to rickscalendar.com. And then, of course, Meetin is at meetin.com, M-E-E-T, and then the letter N is Nancy, meetin.com. And our special deal... To, to lock in 50% affiliate commission forever is at meetin.com slash meetin3000. Outstanding. Outstanding. What would be the last thought uh, that you wanted to SaaS insiders to hear? If they were to take away one thing out of our conversation, the most important thing, what that would be? The most important thing to them? Yes. Um, I think the most important thing is that good design is redesign because that's so meta. It, it, it addresses every problem in business. No matter what you're trying to do, you know, redo it. <laughs> So uh, I, I think that's the most important lesson. Rick credits everyone. Rick, I thank you for coming to our show today. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate it. Sass Insiders, I'll see you on the other episodes. Thank you. Mm-hmm.